Welcome to the Hidden Temple. Actually, it's Olmec's temple. And the rooms are filled with treasures that are protected by mysterious Mayan temple guards. Olmec knows the legend behind each of the treasures in his temple. Which one are we going to hear today? The legend of John Sutter and the map to the lost gold mine. Heyo, welcome back to Thank Fucking God It's Friday. I am Drew. And I'm Katie. And today we're going to talk about Legends of the Hidden Temple, a show that originally was apparently supposed to be a haunted house filled with monsters. Which would have been equally as scary, I think. Yeah. Uh, Some producer was like, "Mm, let's tone it down a bit. And so they came up with this Indiana Jones-esque thing. Yeah, but the temple guards still terrifying. Yes, the Temple Guard's <laughs> terrifying, 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 terrifying. Yes, so we're talking about Legends of the Hidden Temple, which was a Nickelodeon game show. So our second game show after Double Dare yeah. that we've talked about. Yeah, it was also one of the longer running Nickelodeon game shows. I think it was the third longest one. Really? Yeah, I think it was uh, Guts and Double Dare were the only ones that ran longer and by a pretty significant margin. <laughs> Well, this show started in September of 1993, and it only really lasted three seasons, wrapping up in 1995, so. Not not that long of a show, but there were 120 episodes oh. over that time. Okay, fair enough. So the game centers around Olmec, who is a giant stone head and the gate to a Mayan temple, and he is the keeper of all of these so-called legends. Yeah, Olmec is like, uh, I guess he would have been like the encyclopedia for them. Like, he just yeah. knows everything. It's The Wikipedia? Well, back then <laughs> it would have been an encyclopedia. They'd have to go back and they'd have to like check out what letter they want to do. And, yeah. you know, go through the card catalog and figure out what it is they're doing. Yeah. And Olmec was voiced by D. Bradley Baker. Yeah, he would stand inside the head and move the mouth with one hand and had his mic with the other hand. <laughs> that sounds like it would take a lot of coordination. Eh, I mean, he's just moving it up and down. It's not like I he's guess. trying to make its lips go with the like, diphthongs and all that <laughs> stuff. And I don't know. seems like it'd be pretty easy. I thought the head was big. Watching this now, I thought Olmec's head was like this giant thing that was just towering over the soundstage. <laughs> and it was six feet tall. Yeah, I don't remember it being, like, super huge. Six feet sounds about what I was picturing. Maybe eight at the most. I don't know. I watched the episode and, like, Kirk was next to it and Olmec looks small. And I was like, (laughs) oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, so the host is Kirk Fogg, who... Did he do anything else after this, before this? Oh, boy, did he. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I've got Kirk's... So I've got Kirk Fogg's Vimeo page open. Mm. (laughs) Oh, yes. He's a plus member (laughs) and it's got several things, a commercial for basic for cereal, an Arby's commercial where he's the chef, a pert commercial, (laughs) pert shampoo. Yep. Uh, He's like in a locker room of some sorts in it. Uh, It's weird. A VW Passat commercial where he's like talking to some guy and a traveler's insurance commercial. Wow. But none of those things matter to me right now. What matters to me is the best thing that Kirk did, which is in 2006. Kirk wrote a movie, produced a movie, 
and starred in a movie and directed it, BT Dubs. <laughs> he wrote a movie called Distortion. Okay. According to IMDb, Distortion is a quirky stylistic thriller that follows, quote unquote, Porter, a former drug addicted cop in his search for his girlfriend who has been abducted into the seedy underbelly of Los Angeles. So one, it's hard to tell what this movie's really about when you watch the trailer, even after <laughs> knowing what it's about. Yeah. <laughs> like, the trailer makes no sense. It just seems like it's somebody's, like, manic dream. <laughs> yeah, it looked like him just, like, running around yelling at people. Yeah, it seems like a Nicolas Cage sort of thing. Like, <laughs> I'm just going to scream at things. Yeah. Two, I can't listen to Kirk Fogg say anything in there without <laughs> it seeming like it's, like, an SNL parody of something like, you know what? It'd be weird if like Kirk Fogg was a detective who was <laughs> drug addled and was doing all this stuff. Yeah. It doesn't seem right, right? <laughs> no. And how it ends with a Kirk Fogg film that just drives home the fact that it's an amateur film. Yeah. the fi <laughs> Every scene looks like it's just in the middle of like some dark warehouse that you can't yeah. see anything. It's like, they're like, mm, how would we want to do the set for this? Even the car scenes. They're in a warehouse. Yeah, seemingly. <laughs> um, I like the part at the end where she's like, you're not going to go crazy on me or anything, are you? He says, no. Blah! <laughs> oh, yeah. God. The reason I didn't know whether he did anything is because he does not have a Wikipedia page. No, he does not. And Very I surprising. I didn't look to see if he has Twitter or anything like that. I just looked at his IMDb page. Yeah. And it was worth that trip down memory lane. <laughs> and his Vimeo page, of course. Yeah. Because who does... When you're trying to reach your fans, what better way than having a Vimeo Plus page? <laughs> With your old commercials. I think I've seen that Arby's commercial, and I didn't realize that was Kirk Fogg. Like oh, I yeah. saw it now. It's one where like some guy he's comparing hamburgers. He's like, and this is a greasy normal hamburger, and the guy uses it to grease back his hair. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. Kirk, you're still a bad actor. <laughs> he is a bad actor. Let's oh. be clear. He's an yeah. okay as a host. He... Okay. I don't know. He's okay as a host, but he is no Mark Summers. Oh, dear Lord, no. But, well, <laughs> he didn't have to go through what Mark did to be uh, the host. Do you know what he had to do? According to him, in something he told BuzzFeed, or at least it was through a BuzzFeed article, said he was more or less picked at random out of a headshot catalog and asked to audition. Huh. He had to read some play-by-play -play from a teleprompter, and it was his first hosting gig. Wow. That's it. <laughs> oh god he is gonna be uh in that or, or orange the orange years oh yeah he's gonna be in that that documentary yeah so he'll be in that at least so he's got that coming up <laughs> nice well he's the host of our show and he basically tells the kids what they're supposed to do most yeah. of the time although olmec also does that yeah, he kind of gives them advice along the way, but his advice is pretty generic. Like, you're going to have yeah. to go faster. <laughs> oh, boy, you better you better try the things in that room. Turn that around. No, the other way. <laughs> oh, God. I think that what Kirk is most remembered for, though, is his outfit. Oh, yeah. His outfit. Let's just paint a little word picture here. He has pleated shorts, khaki shorts, which actually everybody on this show wears. He also, he also had denim at oh, some, did in he? some seasons. Yes. Okay. So he was wearing, in the two episodes we watched, pleated khaki shorts and the same bluish long sleeve button-up shirt. Pretty sure it was a denim shirt. Oh, denim? Okay. 
the quality of the video wasn't great. <laughs> no, but I do remember him wearing denim shirts. Okay. And he had said in an interview that that was the one thing he kept from the set was the denim shirt. How appropriate that that's what I was wa- wearing while I was watching. Oh. <laughs> um, and then he was wearing tan hiking boots with white socks. That are pretty low, like a lot of his leg is showing here. (laughs) Yeah, like they weren't worn up high like some people like to wear them now. They were like sagging down like he's like, eh, I can bend (laughs) over and pull these up or who cares? Yeah. (laughs) And then he has his leather brown satchel. Yep. The satchel in which I had to I had to look up what was in it. I had to figure it out. The pendants were not in that. He had them in like a pocket in his shirt. Um what he said was that in the uh, satchel, he had chapstick and a bar of granola. <laughs> okay. Not what I expected. No. I was hoping he'd be like, I had a flask in there. It was a long day. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Yeah. They probably were going for like Indiana Jones as their inspiration with him. But all I can think is Boy Scout. Oh, yeah. He 100% looks like a Boy Scout who like they let stay on for a few more years. Yeah. Like that Eagle Scout who just can't let go. Oh, yeah, definitely. That That is 100% <laughs> Kirk Falk. Yep. So we have six teams of kids, and they're all boy-girl pairs. And all of the team names are after animals. Wait, were they all boy-girl pairs always? I believe so, yeah. I don't know if it was always that way, but... I'm pretty sure. I think the teams we saw at least were today. I, I want to say that they always did that. Okay, I... That part I didn't actually look up. (laughs) So we have the red jaguars, the orange iguanas, the green monkeys, the purple parrots, the silver snakes, and then, of course, the best team, the blue barracudas. Now, best is, of course, a subjective (laughs) thing here. Uh, I did, and I'll go into this part a little bit later, I did find statistics. Oh, yeah? I have every team's win-loss record for the moat, the steps of knowledge, the temple games, Pendants earned, if there was tiebreakers, <laughs> and the temple, of course. They've got all these statistics thanks to the Nickelodeon wiki page, nice. uh, which props to whoever compiled that stuff and saving <laughs> me a lot of time. Because while I want to watch every episode again right now, I don't want to keep that. St- I don't want to keep <laughs> those statistics at all. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, Blue Barracudas was my favorite team, partially because. When I was swimming growing up, our mascot was the barracuda. Not, not the bear? Not school. Um, my uh, summer team, we okay. were the barracudas. Okay, okay. <laughs> and I'm also wearing a blue barracuda shirt right now that was from my Halloween costume when Drew and I were the blue barracudas in 2014. I want to say 2014, yeah. It was 2014, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yep. Coming up on four years ago. Oh, man. <laughs> So we do have a little bit of listener mail, and this is from Diana from the Happily Ever Aftermath podcast, which is a romantic comedy podcast. And she says, back then I wanted to be the Silver Snakes, but now I would go Green Monkeys. The age to be a contestant was 11 to 14. Do you think your today self would beat your younger self? My adult self is smarter, but my kid self could climb better. Uh, I a thousand percent know that my today self would kick my younger self's ass. Younger <laughs> me was a still pretty fucking smart, but you know, uh, I was still stupid and B 
I was very uncoordinated, especially <laughs> what grade are you in in that? That's like it's like sixth grade to ninth, ninth grade. grade. Yeah. Yeah. No, that wasn't happening for me. <laughs> I would have like bit it hard on every single thing. Yeah, I I want to say that I had like a little bit less fear at that age. Like I nowadays don't like heights and all that kind of thing. But back then, I probably would have been into it a little bit more. No, who am I kidding? My younger self would probably do better. <laughs> oh, see, I feel like I'm at peak athleticism for me now. Well, 11 to 14 was like when I was swimming. So I was like pretty in shape back then. I don't know. 11 to 14 is when I was getting cut from every team I tried out for. Plus, I was really small. So I probably would have been like good at like climbing in small spaces in the temple. Yeah, that would be the hard part is getting through those little doors. But I feel like I could do it right now. If I had if I'm like <laughs> three minutes, I got to do this. Let's go. Yeah. And I'm about the same height that I was. Well, I am the same height that I was when I was 13. So all that has changed is width wise. <laughs> Hopefully oh. not that much, but no, you're fine. <laughs> and then team wise, who would you have wanted to be? Um. I think that back now, I like the Blue Barracudas just because, well, the Halloween costume and why not? But back then, I think that I was always kind of, uh, I was kind of a fan of the Green Monkeys. I liked monkeys. So I was like, yeah, Green Monkeys, yeah. what up? Uh, the Silver Snakes seem like the, they seem like the evil team. I don't know why. Maybe it's the snake, <laughs> snake. part. It felt like the Silver Snakes always won. Yeah. I don't know why. I think the Silver Snakes had a pretty good reputation of at least making it to the Steps of Knowledge. Uh, yeah, the Silver Snakes seem like they made it a lot, and uh, the numbers back it up. <laughs> nice. So the f two episodes that we watched, they were both from season one, right? Yeah, and it's weird because I tried to look up the list of, you know, the broadcast list of it, and different sites had different listings for when each one came out. Um, but what I found is, like... <laughs> The episodes we watched had different production numbers, broadcast numbers, and completion numbers. It's so, like, <laughs> none of it made sense to me. So, the first episode we watched was Galileo's Cannonball, and the second one was... John Sutter and the Map to the Lost Gold Mine. Yes. And they both seem to have aired in 1993, one in November and the other in October. Uh, Galileo's Cannonball was the third one they put into production, but apparently the 20th one that was broadcast. <laughs> and John Sutter was the eighth one put in production, but the 14th one they broadcast. So They're all over. Eh? <laughs> so this first episode, Galileo's Cannonball, we start out at the moat, as always. And the first thing I noticed was that Kirk Fogg kept using male pronouns, even though they kept showing girls while he was talking. Uh, elaborate. He was like, so he's going to do this and then he's going to do that. Oh, I thought you meant he was saying like, all right, you guys, you're going to do that. Nope, no, no, yeah, okay. he was calling them all by male pronouns. One partner from each team is already kneeling on a raft and in his hand is an ancient staff of King Tut. When I say go, they're going to pull themselves across the moat by hooking their staff on the knotted rope. Once they're across, they're going to climb off the raft and onto the deck. That'll be their partner signal to pull the raft back and staff to his side and cross exactly as his teammate did. And he did that throughout at least the whole first episode. I wasn't paying as much attention to that in the second one, but okay. 
I thought that was interesting choice. They very easily could have said they. Yeah. Or he or she. Could have, but I mean, this is also 1993, and uh, I don't think people weren't thinking about that then. Yeah, I don't know. Kirk were... Fogg definitely was just trying not to stumble over his lines most of this time. <laughs> they were very specifically showing girls, so it was a little bit <laughs> odd. But maybe the production team in the back should have said something <laughs> like, "Hey, Kirk, throw a she out there." <laughs> yeah. So in the moat games, they're basically just trying to get across this waterway that looks like it's maybe six feet across. It, I. Yeah, it looks very much like it looks like you could jump across it yeah. easily. I thought it used to be like 30 feet across and going. <laughs> and one of the weird things that I found was that they said sometimes the moat challenges would take like up to 30 minutes to what? do. Like they 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 would cut it obviously for <laughs> yeah. the, the show. But they said it sometimes it would just take a long time for them to complete. And I'm like, <laughs> How? Yeah, I mean, it almost seems like you can reach across this. I mean, I know they're kids, so they can't, but it's maybe two body lengths. Yeah. It's, something like that. It's ridiculous. Um, which which team do you think had the most moat wins? Um, Blue Barracuda seems like the obvious answer. It is not Blue Barracuda's. <laughs> it is the Red Jaguars. Over the course of the three seasons, had 90 wins in the moat, meaning they at least made it across. Wow. Not coming first place, yeah. but one of the four teams that go. Yeah. Uh, Silver Snakes and Green Monkeys were in second at 88. Blue Barracudas in fourth with 76. Purple Parrots, 70. And Orange Iguanas had the worst rate of getting across that moat. 68 wins, 52 losses. Wow. So that's why you never see the Orange Iguanas in anything. <laughs> they definitely did struggle there, but they, they made it up at other areas. When they got across. <laughs> yeah, they had to get across first, though. Right. And that's basically like 50% because there were only 120 episodes and they made it in 65. 68, yeah. So 68. just over 50% of the time they <laughs> didn't make it, which that's embarrassing, I guess. That is, yeah. And how much would that suck? Like you go down there and like two minutes <laughs> in, you're out. Well, unless you made it last 30 minutes. True. <laughs> um, but at least that's good for them, like that they could be out right away because... Yeah. When they would film these, they would film like four to six a day. Oh. Um, but they would film each segment for all the episodes that in a row. That makes sense. So they do all six moats. Yeah. And then all six steps of knowledge and then all six temple games and so on. So like they said they would start filming at 7 a.m. and sometimes not finish till like midnight. Oh, wow. Crazy. Man, those kids would have been pretty tired by the time they got to the temple run. Yeah, Kirk said they got to eat pizza and stuff like during it, which he thought may have slowed them down. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Like, give them like energy bars or something, dude. Like, give them good food so that they're not throwing up in the middle of the stuff. They're just like cramming five slices of pizza in with like their Mountain Dew and. Oh yeah, I would have been the kid that was like, "Oh, free pizza! I'm gonna eat half of this thing by myself." <laughs> yeah. So in this first episode. We have the Silver Snakes that are finishing first, and then the other three teams, because the top four go to the Steps of Knowledge, are the Blue Barracudas, the Green Monkeys, and the Orange Iguanas. So this is one of the 68 that the Orange Iguanas make it. Yeah. Um, they had to use King Tut's staff to like pull themselves across on some like <laughs> boogie board thing. Which doesn't make any sense because it doesn't relate to the story they're talking about at all. Right. Um <laughs> So the losers being the Purple Parrots and the Red Jaguars, 
they get some Nestle Quick as their consolation prize. Yeah. <laughs> Nestle fucking Quick Mix. That's it. <laughs> Just what is that prize? You tried so hard, and here you go, some chocolate milk mix. That costs two fifty. If that, yeah. I never had it. Uh, I would do the strawberry milk. Oh, like strawberry never had milk. that either. <laughs> so then we go to the steps of knowledge, and this is where Olmec reveals the story, the legend about Galileo's cannonball. Which, let me tell you, I watched these in a public place. Oh. <laughs> and I had headphones in. But when Olmec tried to do Galileo's voice... <laughs> I lost my shit. I laughed out loud so hard. He thought to himself, if I drop two different sized cannonballs from the same height, I bet they'll land at the same time. No, it was like he was trying to do like some Italian mobster yeah. voice. He was like, he's like doing a god, like Marlon Brando Godfather voice. Oh my god, I literally laughed out loud and like people looked at me. <laughs> Yeah, so he's talking about how Galileo basically realized that if you drop two cannonballs from the same height, that they will hit the ground at the same time. Yeah, I never really cared about the stories no. for these. I was just like, all right, let's get through this. So we get to the challenges. Yeah. Uh, the Silver Snakes destroy everyone at this. Yeah, I think they make it to the bottom step so that they're in the temple games before anybody else even answers a question correctly. Yeah. The blue barracuda guy. Oh my gosh. What an idiot. Embarrassing. He... <laughs> Next question. Is the study of gravity part of physics, physiology? Blue barracuda is. Science. Incorrect. The three choices are physics, physiology, or psychology. Silver snakes. Physics. Physics. Correct. We've got our first contestant into the next round. Yeah, I got viscerally upset at him. He's like, you are making all of us look bad. And his teammate looked upset, too. Yeah, because they're paired together. They don't know their teammate. No, they are paired together randomly right before this. Yeah. And so they are just like, I hope that you're a good person. Yeah, um, I didn't know that that I didn't know that that was what they did until like a few weeks ago when I saw something randomly about the show. Yeah, that would be in their since they're paired boy girl like <laughs> These are like kids as they're reaching adolescence and puberty. Yeah. And I think that their celebrations really reflect that. Because <laughs> I wrote down a lot of just laughter at their celebrations. <laughs> LOL at their celebration is my note. Because they're, they, they, they fuck up. The Silver Snakes fuck up that hand slap. Hand slap. <laughs> high five. The way I fucked up that sentence. <laughs> The Silver Snakes fuck up that high five so hard. And it's like they go in for the double high five and just both miss and try again. And like, oh, God, teenagers, as they're getting into that age. They don't know the trick about watching the other person's elbow. I guess not. Uh, but these kids are so hilarious and nervous. It's it's kind of adorable. <laughs> yeah. So the Silver Snakes finish first. And then the other team is the Green Monkeys. And... <clears throat> We go to the Temple Games and... Before you get to that. Okay. There's another prize for the two teams that don't make oh, it. Oh, right, right. <laughs> it is... And my note says, oh, shit, honey, we shrunk ourselves straight to video. <laughs> and they hyped it hard. They tried to make it sound better than the real thing. I didn't know that that movie was straight to video. Yeah, I think I had it. 
I definitely saw it like multiple times. I thought I must have seen it in the theater too, but apparently not. Oh my God. (laughs) So we go to the temple games and the boys are about to start the first game. So the girls are the ones who are left to basically introduce themselves. So Kirk is saying basically just what's your name and how old are you? Actually, I don't even think he asks how old they are in this one. He does. Says, oh, and your name and how old are you? Jennifer, 13. And who's your partner? Jam and John. (laughs) So the reason I wasn't sure about the age was because I don't remember her saying his age. They didn't say the boy's age in this one, just the girls. Okay. Uh, Yeah. You could tell that he was like so pumped that she said Jam and John. Like he probably told her to do that. Yeah. And... She totally has a crush on Jam and John. I'm fine with that. <laughs> uh, and I think Jam and John had a crush on her. We're good with that. I, I'm definitely, I'm shipping them. We're good. Um, I didn't write down the names of the green monkeys. Beth, age 13, and Kevin. No nickname. Sorry, Kevin. You lose. <laughs> it was at this point that I knew what was going to happen the rest of the episode. As soon as there's a nickname, like, that team's going. <laughs> Yeah, so in this first competition, the boys have to take a cannonball from the bottom of this shaft and carry it basically up to the top of the shaft and then throw it out of the top. And it seemed to me like they didn't actually need to climb and they could just like shoot it like a basketball. Uh, No, Kirk mentions as they're doing it that you can't just throw it over. Oh, okay. But Kirk also says balls and shaft way too many times. Oh, yeah. Inside the shaft are some cannonballs like Galileo's. When I say go, one player from each team will grab one of the cannonballs, carry it to the top of the shaft and push it through the hole in the top. Then he'll climb back down, he'll grab the next ball, and the first player to successfully push three balls out of the top of the shaft, or the player that pushes the most balls in one minute, wins. Are you guys ready? Let's set the clock for 60 seconds. On your mark, get set, go! And one line, crap, I didn't write it down, so I'm going to guess at what he said exactly. I probably have it written down. I think he said, Jammin' John knows how to handle those balls. Yeah, uh, he does. He he <laughs> definitely says that. He's, With the inflection <laughs> on those. Yep. First of all, he says, you need to push three balls out of the top of the shaft. That's great. <laughs> Uh, and then he says, Jam and John knows what he's doing with those balls. That's what it was. But yeah. he says those balls. Yeah, it's <laughs> whew, I I had a lot of quotes there from him. <laughs> yeah. So on this one, Jam and John is the one who finishes first, and Kirk Fogg acts like he's not even paying attention because the competition stops because he got three of them out. And he's like waiting for more. Yeah. Kirk, <laughs> Kirk kind of was spacey there. Yeah. <laughs> he goes over to the girls, high fives them. And they're in the ramp to Jupiter, which is like bringing moons to Jupiter. Didn't get it. It was like a slip and slide. They had to climb while being pulled back. Yeah. I think what they had <laughs> was like some balls attached to their head and they had to climb up this ramp that was soapy and you could see the adult people at the top, like putting more soap on as they were like climbing And I think they have to get the ball from their helmet onto a ring that is at the top of the ramp. Yeah. They had to stay on their knees the whole time, too. Yeah. Um, The green monkeys win. They win with one. Yeah. 
No, um, it was a pitiful thing to watch. Yeah, not good. Not a good look. <laughs> um, but then, they, so they're tied going into the last one, and the last game is worth a whole pendant. Yeah, we should say the other two games are both only worth a half pendant. And the reason that they're getting these pendants is because whoever goes into the temple run, they will trade in these pendants to temple guards in exchange for an extra life. Otherwise, the temple guards take them kidnap them <laughs> yeah pretty much that's what i thought I was like, you, you don't survive um so what? this last one it's worth a full pendant yeah and they had to like climb up this pulley system where they're attached together and like bring pieces of a telescope up didn't really get it that much no. but all i know is that kirk was very adamant and explained that they had professional riggers making sure that the system was good and safe <laughs> which I call bullshit on that. Like, you didn't have any budget, so... <laughs> that whole segment was, like, in real time. Like, there was no commercial break in that entire thing. And he was just basically wasting time talking, saying, like, oh, we have these professional riggers. I think we're almost good. Okay, okay. We're, we're good now. <laughs> but when the, when the Silver Snakes finish, again, Kirk Fogg, not paying attention... He could just say that they win, but instead he goes over to the green monkeys and is like, oh, nope, you have two pieces left. And oh, the silver snakes, you're done. And it's like, yeah, they're done because the thing ended before time ran out. Right. They finished, dude. (laughs) Like, step up. (laughs) So the green monkeys, they don't walk away empty handed either. They win some BK shoes. British Knight Ratchtech motherfuckers. Let's go. That was, (laughs) oh, God, the commercial was just as much as. Is just as awesome as I remember it. <laughs> and, oh God, I, do you remember people having those? No. The rat, where you had to ratchet up and it would just make the sound. I'm shaking my head now. Oh, God. Those were great. <laughs> BKs, baby. <laughs> yep. And then we cut to the temple run. They're getting ready to go into this maze. And the maze has 12 rooms, I want to say. Yes. The maze has 12 rooms. Um, and... A little bit of facts about the maze here. So there were three seasons of the show, obviously, and uh, <clears throat> over the course of those three seasons, there were over 45 different rooms that were featured for the maze, uh, oh. the temple. Uh, in season three, the, the, the layout never changed. It was the same every time in season three. In season two, they had five different layouts that they went through. In season one, there were nine different layouts. Uh, and it changed almost every day that they were taping. Wow. The only room that was featured in all 120 episodes? The Shrine of the Silver Monkey? Of course. <laughs> that one was in every every one. Yes. And it is definitely in this one as well. So Olmec tells them that the cannonball they're looking for is in the mine shaft. Which again with the shafts. So many shafts. <laughs> the mine shaft is in the bottom uh, left corner if they have the map on the screen, which in the beginning they didn't. Uh, basically the farthest possible room almost. Yeah. I mean, the only thing farther would be the top left corner, right? Yeah, which is the shrine. No, the shrine's one over to that. Yeah. Okay. I think the torch room was above it. I don't know. <laughs> I am pretty sure I know. <laughs> anyway, the girl, Jennifer, she's going to go first, and Jam and John is going to be the anchor, the anchor for this relay. And he is basically explaining his strategy after Kirk Fogg asks him what it is and his voice cracks, the poor guy. Yeah. <laughs> this is actually the longest interview that there was with any contestants in any oh, episode it was too before, long. before the run. Yeah. It was way too long <clears throat> uh, and it was kind of nonsensical. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so they go through all this stuff. When first of all, Olmec gives them like bullshit advice about where to what they might do. <laughs> There's legitimately no way a kid's gonna remember all that stuff. Yeah, which is fair uh, because I guess before each episode before they would start taping things like they would give guided tours for the kids through the temple and show them where to hit things and where to do all the stuff. Yeah. Um, and they, the producer said that even then, like the kids were still ter- terrified. The temple guards. were there. <laughs> Yeah. Um, the shrine of the silver monkey is in this one. And surprisingly, well, backing up a little bit. So Jennifer, she gets captured. Um, and, Kirk's trying to help her out along the way. There's a temple guard in the throne room. Yeah, I couldn't uh, she, remember where it was. Yeah, yeah she goes up. Uh, she gets knocked out in the Shrine of the Silver Monkey. That's where the second guard is. She gets knocked out. Do you want to describe these temple guards? They look like what I would say racist people today think like people in in the African jungle dress <laughs> like. Yeah, I mean, they specifically call them Mayan temple guards. So... They have, like, these big feather yeah. masks and, like, yeah, they're just, like, wearing, like, hula skirts almost or something. Yeah. First of all, they're just, they're the same people that were helping them, like, they were pouring soap down oh, and stuff. Really? They're those same people. They just changed. And occasionally the writers would be temple guards. But mostly it was, like, the production assistants that were helping out the kids and, like, being the safety people for them at the moats and stuff. So they remind me of... Have you seen the movie Joe versus the Volcano? Not in a long time. It's the Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan movie where Tom Hanks has a brain cloud and he's going to sacrifice himself um, as a human sacrifice in the volcano. But this is what they look like. Oh, yeah. That's pretty much it, except you just put a mask on them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The temple guards. Temple guards are terrifying. Like... You can find on YouTube videos of people just screaming with the temple guards. Like, I would have screamed, too. Uh, I am very jumpy. I I will, like, if somebody comes around the corner at work while I'm, like, carrying something and not paying attention, I have screamed. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm very... My mom would hide, like, (laughs) in rooms in my house at night. And, like, as I'd walk down the hallway, she would jump on me, boo, and scare me. And I would scream like the little child I was. And I still am afraid. If I go home, I still am afraid if I don't know where she is. That's a fact. Oh, she has traumatized me. She'll be here soon. Um, John goes in, finally, after Jennifer goes in. John, Jam and John is fucking plowing through this shit to the start. He gets stuck in the Shrine of the Silver Monkey, but he gets it together. Into the Hugging Idols, where he's then going into the monkeys. He's going to have to put the monkeys together. What has he got? He's got it. Put the monkey together. There he goes. He's got the base of it. He's got a minute 17 left. Got to get it in the right position, that monkey. Silver monkey. He goes down the mine shaft and talk about this elevator, please. So the elevator into the mine shaft is literally the slowest elevator they could possibly use. It probably wastes a good 20 seconds. Yeah. He got the shrine done with a minute five left. He basically only did from there to getting to the cannonball was go down that elevator. Yeah. He got the cannonball with 43 seconds left. <laughs> That's crazy. 
Yeah. So after he grabs the cannonball, that's when all of the gates open. So there's no more temple guards, none of that. So he just gets to zoom out of there. And he does. He wins. Jim and John. No, he takes the worst possible route. That is true. He goes up. Instead of staying down, he could have just blasted through the wall into into the king's tomb or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but he doesn't. He goes up, and then he goes up to, like, the observatory. <laughs> yeah, doesn't that was a misstep for sure. He makes it with one second left. <laughs> one of four winners to win at Legends of the Hidden Temple with one second left. Yeah, he was pretty pumped. I was pumped. I, I wrote, was jacked. I wrote, Jam and John FTW. <laughs> uh, Jennifer's high sweats are everything for me at the end there. Because <laughs> she's got, like, the shirt tucked in, and the sweats yeah. are, like, above her belly button. I was like, that's pretty 90s, too. So the whole show they're wearing these like khaki shorts and then for this last part they put them in these bright yellow sweatpants which i didn't get other than the fact that they perfectly match the helmets yeah it was something but these (laughs) kids are legitimately so excited because they won a bushnell telescope just for entering the temple a magnavox boombox for getting the cannonball and a trip to the bahamas for winning it all yes the bahamas princess resort oh god (laughs) so That was a great episode for me. I loved it. It was a good one. I Uh, was a little disappointed that the Blue Barracudas weren't in the mix, but... uh, I'll go first for rating this. I thought that it had everything I want out of a Legends of the Hidden Temple game. (laughs) It had kids that were bad at the moat for some reason, even though it was really easy. (laughs) It had a stupid answer on the stairs of knowledge. It had a great quote and nickname. Um, it had Kirk saying balls and shaft way more than he needed to. <laughs> way more than he needed to. Just so much. Uh, and it had, piece of trivia here, no audience for the oh. Temple Run. Huh. There was an audience earlier, but it took them so long to record this day, because it was on like their first day of recording yeah. stuff, that by the time they got to the Temple Run, like the studio was closed, the, <laughs> the park, so they would have everyone leave. So there was no audience there. Wow, that's crazy. Yep. So you can you can hear like John yelling at her when she's in there. You can hear like the production assistants if you're listening tell her where to go. Um, so I thought that was good. And it has a last minute win by John who like dives hard through the cave of size and like going through everything at the end. I was I was cheering for him. I was hoping he didn't lose it right at the end. Uh, I'm giving this episode a four point five Nestle Quicks. Out of five. So I thought this episode was good. It had some good moments, you know, the shaft talk, the balls talk. I mean, I literally laughed out loud when he said he knows how to handle those balls. Oh, God. (laughs) Um, I like that they win because I always find it pretty disheartening when they don't win. It's a pretty hard thing, though. They only have three minutes to get through this whole thing. I don't know if we said that. Yeah. Uh, we can talk about those. We can talk about the more win and losses here in a minute. Yeah. But, you know, it was a good one. Um, the, the Silver Snakes, they made their mark. And the fact that this was the first day of filming was pretty impressive, too. Because um, it actually was very similar to what I remember about this show. So I'm going to give it three really slow elevators out of five. All right. You mentioned winners and losers. and. Yep. Uh, out of the course of the show, there were only 32 teams that won. Wow. Won it all. 32 out of 120 shows. Dang. 
Uh, and when you it's break that quarter, down, right? yeah, but think about it. There's six teams that start out every show. Six teams times 120, that's uh, 720, right? I can't do math in my head. <laughs> yeah. So six teams times 120 episodes, that's 720 teams. 32 of them got to win. Crazy. Um, so we talked about the team that had the best luck on the moat. Uh, the teams that won the steps of knowledge, it's not the Red Jaguars that had the most for this. I'm going to guess it was the Green Monkeys. It was the Green Monkeys. Yes. And not even <laughs> close. Uh, the Green Monkeys made it through the steps of knowledge 48 times. <clears throat> wow. 48 times the uh, Red Jaguars and Silver Snakes, both 40. The Purple Parrots at 38. And then the Blue Barracudas and Orange Iguanas bringing up the rear at 37 times. Dang. So the Green Monkeys were first, you said, 48 times? Yep. And how many times did they make it to the Steps of Knowledge? 88. So they went 48 and 40. Okay. Uh, they had a winning record. Orange Iguanas had a winning record, 37 and 31. Purple Parrots, 38 and 32. And the Red Jaguars and Silver Snakes, both a losing record on the steps at 40 and 50 and 40 and 48. Dang. Um, then we get to Temple Games. And the Green Monkeys, again, crushed the Temple Games. 84 wins in the Temple Games. 75 wins for the Orange Iguanas. 69 wins huh, for the Blue Barracudas. 68 for the Silver Monkeys. 65 for the Red Jaguars and the Purple Parrots ran up to where 60. So this is individual games. Individual games, okay. yeah. So, so of the three games, this is how many they've won. Yeah. So the Orange Iguanas had the least amount of times winning the moat. They went to the temple more than any other team, though. Wow. They went to the temple 25 times. Huh. 25 times for them, 24 for the Monkeys, 21 for the Snakes, 20 for the Jaguars, 19 for the Barracudas, and a paltry 11 times for the Purple Parrots. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember that much about the Purple Parrots. So the Orange Iguanas really made it count. Yeah, but they only won four of those times. Four and 21 in the temple. Wow. Four and 21. And they encountered 59 temple guards over the course of those 25 <laughs> runs. That's a lot. It's a lot of guards. <clears throat> it is. Frightening. Yeah, so, pr again, props to whoever found these statistics. You are my <laughs> hero, and I'm very happy that I got to read them. I'm looking at the Legends wiki, not on Wikipedia, but the fandom wiki uh -huh. site, and just scrolling through Season 1, Season 2, Season 3, the green monkeys were, like, all over Season 3. Yeah, must have been their heyday. Must have been. So before we get to our second episode here, a couple little things from the show. Um, so I found an interview with one of the guys who was a an assistant uh, producer on the show. He was a stunt spotter, and he would do you know production assistance for them. Uh, his name was Michael Lupia, and so he got to be a temple guard and production assistant, the spotter helping them out on there. And one of the things that he they asked him like. Did you have a favorite room in the temple or anything like that? And he said, no. But I did have a least favorite, and it was the Dark Forest. Oh. That was the one where there were, like, the trees, and you had to reach into them to find the key. <laughs> um, but sometimes 
it was a temple guard and like the tree limbs would wrap around oh, you. It was the scariest shit. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. Oh, I must have blocked God. it out of my memory. Yeah. He said <laughs> that it was his least favorite because the room smelled like B.O. <laughs> and the tree limb leaves that you had to, or sleeves you had to wear would tear your arms up. It's like, but it was still fun because you scared the crap out of kids. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, he also said that sometimes kids would like get so scared that they like throw an elbow when you capture them and like you'd catch an elbow to the groin or oh, stuff geez. like that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. No, the temple guards were terrifying. Like that room would have terrified me for sure. Oh, if they would have come up from the ground in like the pit or any uh, of those, when they were hiding like in the ball pit at the bottom, like that would have scared me. I was like, fuck <laughs> this. Cause I mostly just remember them like coming mm-hmm. out from behind a door. Yeah, sometimes they come out from behind, but there were rooms where they hid. And when they hid, that was the scary part for me. Like, there's popping out of nowhere. You're like, because if there's a door, you're like, oh, I still scream, but okay. yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> terrifying. Terrifying, terrifying, terrifying for that. I also found an interview with a girl who was on the show. And this is an interview she gave like 20 years later. She's like 31 at the time. And she said that a lot of times they would have to restart the temple run. Because a room wouldn't work or a door that was supposed to open wouldn't. So the kids would have to like go back and start over. So it gave them some practice at least. Uh, She said she had to start her temple run three times. Jeez. But my favorite thing that she said was about like how they were paired paired up at random. She thought that they were going to lose early on because in her words, her partner was an abject idiot. (laughs) And she thought they would get nothing right on the stairs. Yeah. Her steps of knowledge, but she got them all right for them. Did she end up winning the whole thing? They did not win, is what she said. They, they came up short. Um, but she said that the temple guards were there to... They, she says, quote unquote, they are the scariest thing imaginable. Nothing is scarier, and I will stand by that statement until I die. Wow. Um, and she also said that her episode was rerun a bunch of times, and every time she would see it, a different grand prize than the one that was actually offered was shown. <laughs> And her favorite one that she saw was a trip to Universal Studios where they were actually filming it, which made no sense at all. Yeah. I mean, that was always the prize Mm -hmm. on like Double Dare and stuff, too. And I don't know if it was actually the prize because I probably only watched reruns, right? Yeah. So maybe they were just trying to promote Universal Studios. (laughs) That would make sense, I guess. Yeah. So the second episode that we watched was called John Sutter and the Map to the Lost Gold Mine. And the first thing I noticed when they did the moat on this one was that they specifically called this like footboard the Aztec footboard. They had to like brand it as something jungly. <laughs> I've got that in my notes too. <laughs> my first note is actually Kirk is still looking fly as fuck in his khakis and denim. Yeah, he's wearing the exact same thing that he was wearing in the other one. Might have been the same day. <laughs> the teams that make it through the. The moat this time are the red jaguars, blue barracudas, purple parrots, and silver snakes, of yeah, course. The blue barracudas and the red jaguars finished at almost the exact same time. Yep, and then purple and silver bring up the rear. And our losers are greeted with more Nestle Quick, bitch. <laughs> Yum. I don't know. Never had it. <laughs> um, what they're looking for is this map to the lost gold mine, and it is hidden in the tomb of the ancient kings. So Olmec goes through the legend of John Sutter and this map, and these kids are freaking idiots. 
So someone gets the, like, the first question wrong. Or no, I'm sorry, the second question wrong. And no one of the other three teams tries to answer it after that. It's some, These are all multiple choice questions. Yeah, because there's three possible answers. One of which, in this one, was Cape Crusader. Yeah. Which clearly <laughs> is fucking wrong. To get to California, did some prospectors have to travel around the Cape of Good Hope, Cape Horn, or Cape Crusader? Purple parrots! Incorrect. Time is up. The correct answer was Cape Horn. And like after the first team gets it wrong, no one steps in. Except if you pay attention, Red tried to. Oh, really? And they weren't like they either were too late or something. And Kirk says, you're going to have to you have to step on that step harder if you want to get in. And I thought that was fucking hilarious because, like, this kid in red was pissed. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was so weird. Like, on a lot of these questions, like, they either don't wait for the question to be read all the way, and then they just answer something stupid, or they're just, I don't know, they're making the stupidest decisions ever. They are, but also I love it. I love <laughs> watching these kids celebrate getting things right because their high fives are all horrible. And you can just see it's like a guy and a girl trying to like, yay. And it's great. Um, Blue, thank God, is the first ones in. And I just laughed at their celebration. Yeah. Um, the girl, she's a little bit dorky looking. I mean, these shorts make anybody look dorky. They're the worst shorts ever. I think it was her wire glasses. And like her they glasses. Were giant. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm wearing wire glasses right now as well, but. Hers were probably twice the size of we <laughs> It doesn't matter because she is my favorite person from this entire episode. So. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite things from the Steps of Knowledge was when one of the teams, I didn't write it down, answered a question correctly. And they were like the last ones to answer one correctly for the first time. And Kirk Fogg is like, welcome to the game. And I just wrote, sweet burn. Yeah, it was the Silver Snakes, and they end up making it all the way. They come back. (laughs) In fact, my notes say, look at these snakes making a fucking comeback. (laughs) Um, The kids talking to each other is adorable to me as they're, like, whispering things between questions. (laughs) And then seeing them lose was just heart-wrenching. Yeah. Um, But the losers are winners in my mind because (laughs) their prize... Did you get the prize? No. It is Star Wars Galaxy of Fear books with limited holographic covers. Oh, of course you like that. Of course I did. Did you have that? Uh, Probably. <laughs> I'd have to check the basement at my parents' house. Nice. So the first game of the Temple Games is this weird slide that looks like a wave, and they have to bring gold nuggets from one end back to the other and put them in a bucket. It looked kind of fun, actually. So in this one, it was Damien, age 13, for the Blue Barracudas, (laughs) and Brooke, age 12, for the Silver Snakes. Both people on blue, 13 years old. Both people on silver, 12. I'm not saying that there's a big difference. I think the boy was 11. I think they both were 12. They were different ages, for sure. (laughs) Do we need to make a bet? Yeah. Okay. What do you want to bet? I don't care. A beer again? Sure. Okay. On the Blue Barracudas, we have... Jennifer, and I'm 13 years old. And Damien, I'm 13 years old. Let's hear it for the Blue Barracudas! <laughs> and on the Silver Snakes, who are you? I'm Brooke, and I'm 12 years old. And who are you? 
I'm Perry, and I'm 11 years old. Nice. Got it. All right. <laughs> now, then I'm then I'm definitely saying if he, if they're 12 and 11 versus two 13-year-olds, you're at a disadvantage. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's just, true. At that age, there's so many physical differences, especially between 13 and 11. <laughs> yeah, and mm-hmm. Perry goes up against Jennifer in yeah. the second game. Yeah. But in the first one, uh, they each only make it through the hills once with their gold. And they tie. So both of them get a half pendant each. Yeah. Which I forgot that they could tie. Yeah. They both get it. If they tie everything, then there's a tiebreaker question later. Oh, okay. And then the next one is really very similar to the first competition of the other episode where they're in these shafts. Except <laughs> they're with sacks this time. Yeah. they have to, <laughs> Instead of getting out balls, they have to get out sacks. <laughs> they have to get sacks up the shaft. Yep. <laughs> And this one, they can't just throw them out. They have to actually put them on top of the shaft. And <laughs> God, <laughs> Drew's just looking at me laughing. <laughs> Kirk had to know what he was saying, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and Jennifer, she gets to the top. Like, she was doing pretty good at the beginning. And then she gets to the top with the second one and somehow comes back down with it. I think she knocked it off on X and then she jumped down. Oh, okay. Yeah, because she had this in the bag and then missed that. And so they end up tying as well. Yep. Which leads us to the last one, the gold sluice. (laughs) I wasn't really sure what he was saying. (laughs) He says sluice so many times here. And I was like, this is more times than any kid show should say sluice. It's like a... Like a, a rivet cut into something. Yeah, I didn't know how to spell it, and so that was the reason why I ignored it. S L U I C E. Okay, that's what I would have guessed. Um, it's basically a slip and slide. They go down a slip and slide. <laughs> yeah. And they this have is very cold. similar to the first competition from this episode, except without the wavy up and down thing. This one seems pretty easy. Yeah. And it's pretty neck and neck the entire way, but. At the end, right before time's up, Jennifer, the hero, the goat, she gets in like three more at the end or two more right at the end. It was around three at least. Yeah. And they end up winning by two, I think. Yeah. Right at the end. And my thing is Kirk has to like take them out and physically count them. They have (laughs) production assistants. Like why is someone not counting? (laughs) Well, this is probably day two. Right? <laughs> I guess, but like, come on. Kirk is bad at counting too. He like doesn't yeah. know what's going on. At least he was counting by two. He was going two, four, six, eight. So they were, yep, taking these nuggets and putting them into a bucket. And it looked like they were mostly only taking one at a time, maybe two at a time. I think they were going two at a time because they each went down about, or combined, they went down like seven times. So okay. that'd be right. Okay. Um, Silver gets some more BK Ratch Techs. Yes. Blue gets to go on. Yes. And they decide that Damien is going to go first. And they have two pendants. Yeah. So, so they one for each. Yeah. They can't get beat by the temple guards. No. And poor, poor Damien, though, he gets attacked by a temple guard literally as he is stepping into the temple. Yeah. It's like that they saw they had two pendants. So like, you know what? <laughs> We're making sure that one of these kids gets knocked out. Yeah. That's, I feel like they That's probably call, said yeah. that. They're like, we got to make sure something happens here. <laughs> Um, and then he gets caught again less than 30 seconds after that. Yeah. I, my notes say J- Damien gets a guard right away. That's some bullshit. 
He goes through the pit and goes into the throne room where another guard gets him. That's like his third room he's in. Yeah, I wrote he's captured again before 30 seconds have gone by because when Jennifer starts, I think it's 2.35 on the clock. Yeah, but an important thing for Jennifer, Kirk asks her what the plan is. (laughs) And she has this place fucking memorized. Well, we're going to start at the lowest level of the wedges, and we're going to go around, and we're going to go through into the pit, and then we're going to just go through to the throne room, and then through the spider's lair, and then to the tomb room where our prize is, and then go, or the map is, and then go back out. Okay, you sound pretty confident, so let's get started. I think she follows that almost exactly what she said. Yeah. (laughs) Like, she... Oh, God. I don't think exactly because when she gets to the throne room, she wants to keep going yeah, to the left to and she has to go up. Yeah. Um, she ends up as, as they all do in the Shrine of the Silver Monkey. Yeah. And she is too short. She's too short to reach them. <laughs> so she, that's the, that's the bitch about this is like, yeah. kids couldn't reach half the stuff. Yeah. I think she had to like climb onto something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, she has some troubles with it, but she gets it, and she gets it with a minute 19 left. She finishes the shrine. And then, just like in the last one, goes to the elevator. Again, it's super fucking slow. But Wait, she does what Jam and John was afraid to do. <laughs> she barrels through that wall. Yeah. She destroys that wall and gets the map, and she doesn't even stop to pick it up. She, like, picks it up like a fucking <laughs> baton part of a relay race and just gets in and goes through <laughs> yeah crushes it and then yeah she makes it all the way through the temple cuts it a little bit too far to the right and then realizes she didn't go through the gate and then tries to come back around and slips and falls <laughs> I, it looks like she trips on like a cable oh really yeah i didn't see that it's like part. a cable that's there. like why is that there if kids have to run by it <laughs> yeah uh, she trips and falls on it but she doesn't care she's so excited she, she looks so happy she finishes she finishes with like 20 seconds left yeah a pretty solid one. The yeah. fastest temple run that I found uh, data for <laughs> was they did it in a minute and 49. Or oh, I'm sorry, wow. With a minute 49, I think, left. No, left? they did it in a minute 49. Okay. Wow. That's really fast still. Yeah. So pretty, pretty damn good. Nice. And this girl had to do everything herself. Like the other episode, the girl had like at least knocked down a few of the obstacles so that doors would be open by the time the boy got there. But with this, no. The girl was the whole thing. Yeah. she Jennifer crushed it, and she destroyed. <laughs> like, after she got the map, she was not held up by anything. Like, she just <laughs> barreled through stuff. I loved yeah. it. So that is our whole episode. Oh, except for their prizes were a portable CD player from Magnavox. Yeah, up, up, upgrade from the boombox yeah. from a few episodes earlier. And then outdoor products gear like backpacks and stuff like that and then my favorite what i always wanted to do space camp yes my night my notes say magnavox cd player eh. outdoor travel gear boring space fucking camp get out of my face bitch i want to win this <laughs> yeah that, oh my god that was what i wanted to do i wanted to go to space camp so bad that is the ultimate 90s prize yeah like I, I put constellations on my ceiling in eighth grade in the correct spots, according to like a star chart. Yeah, I wasn't that nerdy, uh, <laughs> but I, I get it. I think I had like the the night bright things. Like yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. 
Also, Space Camp reminds me of the Friends episode with Mae Whitman in it. Nice. Where Ross breaks her leg and has to sell cookies for her. And then she wants to sell the most so that she can go to space camp. And he gets beat by a girl whose sister borrowed her uniform and took it down to, like, the Navy ship and sold, like, a thousand boxes or something. And they decide to make her a space camp in their apartment. Nice. (laughs) I'm an alien. I'm an alien. Oh, God. So, anyway... The end of the episode. Go ahead. I, I like this one a lot better than the other one. For one thing, it's the Blue Barracudas that win, and they're my favorite team, so gotta love that. Yeah. And like you were saying, Jennifer freaking crushed it all she, by herself. She is a boost. I'm pretty sure she answered at least two out of three questions on the steps of knowledge. Yeah, and... She was doing pretty good work with... She's the savior from... She's the reason they got to the temple because she yeah. made that last minute, that last ditch ever. She brought three in that last one. That means they were down one. Yeah. And she saved them. <laughs> yeah. So she did a great, great job. And again, I just like it when people win. So I'm going to give this one... I'm going to give this three and a half trips to space camp. Okay. Uh, I don't even have to go through all my reasons for this of why I won. (laughs) This is wonderful. Jennifer is wonderful. It doesn't matter. Jennifer is the reason that this episode is the greatest. She destroys (laughs) everything. She is the MVP. I laid out my life for Jennifer in a heartbeat. Uh, I'm giving this episode five BK Rechtex out of five. I think it's perfect. It's wonderful. They crush it. (laughs) Blue Barracudas win. Jennifer wins. I win. We all win. Space Camp wins. <laughs> what more could you want? Kirk wins. Kirk is, Kirk's denim wins. Everything wins. The main reason I didn't rate it super, super highly is because I just don't think that Legends of the Hidden Temple is as good of a game show as Double Dare or Guts. And I think it's better. <laughs> I think it's better than Guts because those kids... I, we'll talk about that well, later. I'm saving my things for guts i am going off of my memory of guts i have not watched guts in a very very long time but we'll see we'll see when we get there (laughs) so that is the episodes so i had a go back to kirk fogg here for a minute i had another thing from him uh apparently one time he got a letter in the mail uh, asking him to sign a picture of himself so that an engaged couple could auction it off at their wedding shower to raise <laughs> money for their honeymoon. Wow. He said that he did it, and he just wanted to know how much money they made. Did he say? He did not say. <laughs> was uh, this during Legends of the Hidden Temple or, like, later? I think it was later. It doesn't give a lot of information okay. about that. He also talks about a time that a girl threw up in the pit of despair because Ugh. she got... Stuck there and was so scared after the temple guards frightened her earlier. Oh, geez. So they said that was a hard one to clean up. I would think less about throw up and more about like pee. Oh, yeah. Peeing yourself for that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, They probably like made kids go to the bathroom like right before. Before that last part. Because they were around for like 12 hours at that point. Um. Katie wanted me to bring this part up, which I had looked up some stuff on it, and I was just going to be like, eh, whatever. But much like with Home Improvement and Double Dare, there is a board (laughs) game 
Legends of the Hidden Temple board game. It's got a rating of 4.4 on uh, on Board Game Geek. And it's really new. Isn't it from like the last two years or something yeah, like that? Yeah, 2017. Yeah, so uh, last year. <laughs> so the game, I looked up the gameplay. To move on from the moat side is the stupidest thing ever. <laughs> you roll a six-sided die. One side lets you go forward one space. Four sides do nothing. One side sends you back to the beginning. Oh, geez. So you're just like rolling as fast as you can, hoping, and it can just go on forever, apparently. <laughs> then you have some trivia, you know, steps of knowledge. Uh, the mini games for the Temple game are apparently just short versions of drinking games like Beer Pong and Flip Cup. Why are we not playing this right now? <laughs> I don't know, because I didn't know it existed until like three days ago. Uh, and then one team makes it to a final game where they have to roll to move and like hope they don't randomly run into a guard. It seems um, like it's a lot of chance and stupidity. We could make up our own game that's better, probably. And it's only sold at Target, I think. Oh, God. But that drinking game part sounds fun. I mean, we can just do that. Yeah, that's true. Differently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also have one, one last one for you. Okay. <laughs> All right, so Fuck, Mary Kill, Mark Summers, Kirk Fogg, Mike O'Malley. All right. The three Nickelodeon game show hosts. Male hosts. Male hosts. Well, they're from the old ones, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although you're forgetting about, what's the Nick Arcade guy? Phil. Yeah, Phil. Phil Moore. Phil Moore. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, we're going with Mark Summers, Kirk Fogg, Mike O'Malley. All right. So I'm going to say... Oh my gosh, this is really hard because we haven't even watched Guts yet. So I'm like just going off of my memory. Um, do you want me to save this question for when we do Guts? No, 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 no. <laughs> um, I'm, I also remember Mike O'Malley from, well, he was on Glee and Yes, Dear. But um, are you sure you don't want to throw in any people from... Wild and Crazy Kids? No, I, I'm pretty sure I'm good with what I put on there. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to say Mary Mark Summers. Uh, let me look up Mike O'Malley real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate to say, just because I liked Mike O'Malley, his like personality and stuff. I'll say fuck Mike O'Malley, kill Kirk Fogg. We have the exact same. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, no, I... Sorry, Kirk. It just didn't seem like you'd be, be the one surviving that. <laughs> yeah, and he also stumbled over his lines so freaking much. I mean, it may be because we watched really early episodes, but... Yeah. Um, the last two things I've got here for us, uh, for me anyways, are after the show was done, they had a rap party for it at a laser tag place called Qzar. Where apparently everyone on the staff got drunk and tackled each other in a laser tag uh, arena. And last but not least, to get on the show, kids that wanted to try out had to do a written test, had to climb a rope, and had to do pull-ups. Yeah, I, I read that, and that sounds really intense. Yeah, more than I thought they would have to do. Did you say running? Because that was in there too. Uh, I did not say running. Yeah, running, rope climbing, written test. And the majority of the contestants were from Florida, from Make, around Orlando. Makes sense. Yeah. Yep. All 11 to 14 years old. Yep. And then kind of the weirdest thing about Legends of the Hidden Temple is that 
less than two years ago, they actually made a live action movie about Legends of the Hidden Temple in which three siblings go on a jungle tour that is hosted by Kirk Fogg. It's not like he was doing anything. (laughs) And they find themselves in the temple after falling through a trap door. And Olmec greets them, and he is still voiced by D. Bradley Baker once again. But I did not not watch this. (laughs) I did not watch this, and it was a direct-to-Nickelodeon movie. So I don't know how good it is, but... None of the actors ring any sort of bell for me, except for the fact that two of their names are alliterative. Oh, didn't look any of it up. <laughs> we have, this one's not, but we have Isabella Moner as Sadie. That's that's not her name. <laughs> Isabella Moner. No, I'm just saying, that it's just that just sounds like a fake name. <laughs> it's M-O-N-E-R. I don't know how you say that. <clears throat> Go on. Colin Critchley as Noah and Jet... Jurgensmeyer as Dudley. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I can't say that I watched that. No. And also, Olmec was a king. Nice. So. Oh, I lied. I did have one more thing. You reminded me of that with Olmec. Uh, the Olmec head was sold in 2002 to the highest bidder. Don't oh. know who bought it. Or what they did with it? No clue. <laughs> didn't, didn't care enough to look that much up. Got it. Oh, God. I would replace my fireplace with Olmec. It's probably about the same size. That's depressing when I look at now. Gosh. <laughs> it should be taller. Um, <laughs> that's it for yeah. Legends of the Hidden Temple. I mean, it's a good show. It holds up the way I remembered it. Yeah, I loved it. I loved every minute. I watched, <laughs> as I told Katie earlier, I watched like 15 or 16 episodes in the last couple of days just scouring through before i sent her the two that we were doing i had already watched a bunch of them and i was like these this is what it is yeah and these are the only two that i watched i've been busy yeah (laughs) it's fine so yeah so that's the end for legends of the hidden temple and next week we are going to talk about dawson's creek i hope yeah which i have never seen ever never seen all i know is there's the dawson uh (laughs) vanderbeek the meme is he Dawson? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. He's the well, Dawson. James Vanderbeek. Yeah, Vanderbeek. Yeah. I only know that from uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Not the B in Apartment 23. I mean, I watched that, but I just, I knew that before oh, okay. I watched that. Yeah. So my cousin Joby will hopefully be the guest for that episode because she actually knows something about this show, whereas I saw a few episodes here and there. So we'll need her expertise. But I plan the, on tearing it apart. <laughs> in the meantime, she also has a podcast called Wines and Headlines, if you want to check that out. And we'll be posting the episodes that we're going to talk about on social media, as usual. TFGIF podcast on any social media. Yep. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. All That's all places. of it, right? Yeah. Everywhere <laughs> you want. Uh, we don't have a Vimeo Plus page like Kirk Fogg, but... <laughs> You know, maybe we'll start doing some reaction videos here. Get a Vimeo Plus page. Get on Kirk's level. Yeah. Drew is watching me watch this last episode. I feel like I'm throwing Kirk Fogg a lot of shade in this episode, but I really liked him. And I do really like his denim and khaki shorts. So, I mean, I basically have that same shirt. So, and I was wearing it today until I changed into my blue Barracuda shirt. Yeah. So, yeah. If you listen to us anywhere, please rate, review. Tell us that we're good people. Hopefully. 
yeah, I my my self esteem depends on it. <laughs> yep. And until next Friday, bye. bye.